Right, hey, before we get into it today, I'd just like to thank the blokes and ladies that keep the lights on here, our sponsors. Better beer, jogging a can, winning a 10, the athlete's choice. Look, no matter what sort of beer you drink, they've got you covered. Go check out their whole range. Country Trucker Caps for keeping our domes out of the sun with all their deadly designs. TikTok Nutrition for keeping our bodies fueled with the good stuff. SP Tools for giving us the best tools for all our projects at home and on the work site. And the True Blue Aussie Book. Blue bet. Call them what you want, knee knockers, golden nuggets, dice slappers. But our friends at Manscapes refer to them as the boys. Not every man has children, but every man is responsible for their two boys below the waist. When your little guys have more hair than they need, trust Manscaped for all your grooming dreams. Boys need love too, so join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using the code ALPHABLOKES for 20% off plus free shipping. You heard it here first. The boys are back in town. Every man knows how scary it can get when you're going for the close shave below the waist. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Introducing the Lawnmower family, including the Lawnmower Pro 3.0 Plus and the 4.0 Pro and the 5.0 Ultra. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code ALPHABLOKES at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code ALPHABLOKES at manscaped.com. For the best your boys have ever looked, trust Manscaped. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologise to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. G'day, welcome back to another episode of the Alpha Blokes Podcast. Here to give the everyday battler a voice, delete head noise one laugh at a time. Let's crack a better beer, boys. I've already cracked up. But... Jogging a can, win a tin, class in a glass. Uh, go around and check out the Zero Carb Stubbies. Also check out the Better Beer Cobra. It's a great bit of kit that keeps your dome out of the sun. Righto, today's guest, Quentin Kirsch, owner and founder of Kirsch Concreting in the North Queensland Elite Rodeo. A bloke who has definitely had a crack at life and is still doing so. How are you, Legend? Not too bad, mate. A bit nervous, like yeah. I said before to you. So I'm, uh, yeah, no podcaster, but uh, and you're doing a great job and you're the pros at it now. But, um, yeah, you're the traders and you've just had a crack. So yeah, just get on and, uh, yeah, nah, speak be, what I know. That's I right, mate. It'll be, it'll be good to talk to you, um, like someone who's still kicking ass in the field like you're doing and like we talk to people about having a crack at stuff and, you know, the rodeo that you've built and that we'll be going to this year, mate. It's an exciting thing, um, which we'll get to a bit later. But I just thought first, mate, we should, um, you know, get back to where it all started for you and get to know you a little bit before we get into your business ventures. Yeah, cheers, mate. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, Bush kid. So, yeah, uh, born in New South Wales. I yeah. mentioned that to you before. And Sorry you me about that. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stuck with my blues, even though I left there in 19... I was born in 74, but left in 1979. I was four years old. Yep. Uh, one of nine kids, yeah. and uh, I was the sixth son. Uh, we had seven boys in a row, and then two two sisters at the end. Wow! So mum hung out hung out for a girl and got two at the end. So yeah. Um, but yeah, moved up to Queensland. Dad wanted to go off and do his own thing. Yeah, do a not his own thing. Like out, take our family and go and do something different from New South Wales. All the families in New South Wales nearly found this block outside uh, Richmond, northwest Queensland. There. Yeah. Uh, sheep, predominantly sheep country. 
moved up there, 44,000 acres, and this, yeah, grew up there with the nine brothers and sisters and mum teaching us all through correspondence and, uh, yeah. So all the schooling and that was with your mum on the farm? Yeah, like mate, yeah, yeah. So we're, we were all dad's workers on the, on the farm, on the yeah. property, and then... And mum taught us all grade one to grade seven, and somebody I can't spell, not mum's fault. Yeah, <laughs> part dyslexic, but yeah, no, no, no. Um, just yeah, went through that, and then yeah, off to boarding school, obviously. And then dad hung out for holidays to get his workers back. Yeah. <laughs> every, every school holidays, come back, do the yeah. lamb, do the landmarking and branding the calves and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, went to Charters Towers, went to school in Charters Towers, all brothers did, and sisters, yeah. and uh, Mount Carmel and St Mary's it was back then now it's called St Columba they've changed that again but yeah. um, still going strong the school but yeah we all went through there grade one, grade 8 to grade 12 made I mean boarding school was a different thing I suppose nowadays a lot of people you know the bush people still need it yeah um, I always thought I was going to send my kids to boarding school regardless of where I lived but obviously living in near Townsville that, that yeah, got knocked on the head but you know, I love the fact that I had my kids right through high school. Um, but yeah. I also love the fact that I did the five years at boarding school, even though I hated it for the first couple. Mm. The lifelong mates and the bonds I have now are just unbreakable and still have them to this day. A handful of, handful of blokes that we talk weekly, monthly still with those That's five, awesome, five blokes. That's unbelievable. Well, I suppose it's one of those things where um, – when you go home and spend time with your family, if you're not at a boarding school, that's when you'd bond with those blokes, right? Like after school and stuff. And totally, because you're you all know. the same boat. You'll we all come from the out in the bush or whatever circumstance you were, and yeah. and you spent 24/7 in the classroom, back in the dorms, breaking bounds, bloody stealing grog, and trying to have a beer somewhere, <laughs> whatever you did back in boarding schools. Yeah, yeah, we got through got through a few yarns there, and um, in our boarding school days for sure. But oh yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's forged. Yeah, like I said, that friendship. I mean, I wanted to leave in grade 10 and, and mate, my life would be drastically different now mm. if I didn't do grade 11 and 12 with the blokes I did it with and, and the influences we have on each other now and all that, you know. Oh, that's awesome, man. It would have been some great times growing up with a big family like that out in the bush, wouldn't it? Like you look oh, back at some of the stuff you would have got up on. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with that many brothers <laughs> far oh, out. Right. Yeah, so you're, it's funny how the dynamics work. So the two eldest brothers, they... From my memory, I, I, from a younger fellow, I suppose, the time I remember, they were sort of teenagers and that, but they got on pretty good. Then the third and fourth punched on. I mean, spanners across the workshop just yeah. hurled at each other. Yeah. Like, no fear of hurting someone badly. I threw a knife, stabbed it in my brother's back and wa from washing up because he was flicking me with a tea towel and just threw a butcher's oh. knife and just hung out of his back and didn't pull it out. He ran to mum and showed her and I got the flogging over that one. But um, no, nah, no, nah, we did. Like, so me and the brother above me, I'm six, he was fifth or whatever. Mm. We punched on a lot, but my, the one below me, we didn't. We never punched on sort of thing. But the thing is, we did it through primary school. Like, and the shearers, the shearers would come out and we'd punch on every day about filling the water bottles up because you get a bag of lollies or whatever for doing it. And, yeah. Um, but as soon as we went to boarding school, everything changed because you were there and you were sort of on your own a bit. To start mm. with, and yeah, and all of us boys then got on, you know, from boarding school on, then pretty much, uh, you, yeah, that's the um, guy. Sort of had each other's back, eh? Yeah, that would have been a good part about having a big family, eh? Especially brothers like that. Yeah, yeah no, know. big time. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was sort of had double-edged sword. You know, you had to take the raft from the teachers, from your older brothers, run the muck. Yeah, but you also you knew they had your back and you had the re good reputation and all that sort of stuff from, mm. too, from them preceding you. So, no, no, it definitely, it's definitely a cool thing growing up in a big family and yeah. <laughs> no shortage of people to play with. Oh, for sure. And, mate, uh, like into the radio scene, 
How did you sort of stumble into that? Like, were you mutton busting on the farm when you were a little fella on oh, the sheep yeah. or fucking? Without a doubt, you did that. And then, you know, when you're branding calves there too, everyone that got out that was your size, you thought you'd jump on it as it come out of the calf cradle and whatever. But, yeah, as radio kids, uh, as bush kids, sorry, um, you went to one radio a year pretty much. You know, we had the Richmond radio or the Runnymede radio, which is isn't doesn't run, hasn't run for probably 40 years now. But, um yeah, Dad would take us off on our old nag to go and do the barrel race maybe, but then jump on potty rides and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, the funny thing is a lot of people know me for the elite radio now and think, you know, oh, what did you, you're a bronc rider, you're this and that. No, I played football. So I went to boarding school, obviously played football, and then yeah. went back out bush here and fencing for a little while and then um, ended up back in Townsville uh, taking up a trade, concreting. Yep. And that predominantly was to get out of the bush because there was no foot bugger or footy in the bush and, and no women. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To meet um, meet someone or meet a girl, I suppose, and then um, and then play football. So, yeah, I did that. Mm. Moved to Townsville when I was 18. Uh, went to Central's Footy Club, the local legends, the old Tigers there. And, yeah, played for them shit, till I was 36 or something crazy. So, yeah, yeah nice. played a big career in footy. Um, yeah, not a big... Not a big career per se, but a long career yeah, playing footy. Like a committed sort footy. of career. Consist- with, yeah. yeah. End up bloody, you know, retiring from that and then end up coaching an A grade at the club and then president yeah. of the club. My wife was treasurer forever and just real club people through the footy club, you know, and that was it. But where I guess the rodeo thing started was I went to America when I was 21 and um, stayed with some friends over there that were Australian Cowboys. Brandy, who's actually a bull contractor now and a three-time Australian bull riding champion. And yep. his wife, Bridget Lilliman, famous Jacob Lilliman and all that family there from Richmond, see? So they were over there working for Walt Woodard, who was a world champion roper, breaking horses for him and roping and training all his horses. And I was over there with another mate, Head, and um, me and him stayed with them for a week. And in that week, all they did was rope, just saddle 10 horses a day and rope cattle. And... Sat around the lounge room at night time roping dummies and sat at the TV roping little miniature dummies. And, yeah, right. And anyway, so they taught me to throw a rope when I was 21. Never never picked up a lasso, but literally in that week learned to rope. Tragically, yep. but learned it. And my whole footy career, I suppose, you have this thing, you guys are well aware of it, of the head noise of, you know, um, depression and all that sort of stuff when blokes finish their career. Now, something that goes... Of, I'll just jump into a tangent here. I'm oh, pretty bad at it, so pull me up whenever no, you want. No, you're good. But I guess, yeah, I was an amateur football player. Played, you know, I played a few games for young guns and I made a lot of rep footy and whatever, but which is fun and awesome and very blessed to have done that. But people, when a lot of this talk about football players struggling with depression and all that sort of stuff, they think NRL only because they're the famous ones that get known for it. Mm. And, you know, kudos to them blokes who spoke out about it because they've done what you guys have done and really opened it up. But... Me playing football as long as I did and, you know, wasn't I, I identity, was I? Not so much, but I was captain of the Townsville Foley Shield team. I was always in the paper for this or, you know, and getting interviewed for that. Yeah. Then when it all stopped, everything sort of stopped. My life of what I knew was gone, yeah. you know. So I was aware of that before it happened and hence probably I played way longer than I should have <laughs> than yeah. most people do because I was scared of that. But back from when I was 21, the whole time of my footy career – I had this goal of wanting to do something after footy because I didn't want to go into that hole. And yeah. and, and rodeo was that, not so much rodeo, just roping and wanting to rope. Yeah, was, just having a bit of a passion, eh? Have something else to go on to, you know. Because it would have been something for you, mate. Like you talk about that camaraderie at, um, at boarding school and then you leave that and you're into this club with all the lads that are real passionate for the same thing and you have that fucking mateship and camaraderie still. So you can see why people who aren't in that anymore would 
go down a bit or, or have that change, eh? And it'd affect them a bit. Totally, mate. And um, we can talk about this sort of stuff, uh, different stuff in different angles here. But, you know, like we were talking about gym yesterday and going to gym mm. and keeping fit. So the cool thing for me is I've got this other family, my schoolmates, obviously boarding schoolmates, which were Tidos. So playing footy at the same club. Can I go on a different angle here? Sorry. People yeah, come up to me quite often, um, a few older followers that aren't, don't know footy maybe so much, but they, they say to me quite often, Quentin, you're unlucky you didn't make it. You know, because I was, guess I was tinkering on that edge. I've made Cowboys Young Guns and Captain NQ um, North Queensland and made the Queensland bloody Rangers side and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I was probably a borderline, but I was still, I was working you know, concreting my whole career, my whole life and all that yeah. sort of stuff. I never really committed myself fully to gym. I never went to gym until I finished footy. Like, mm. I just concreting was my gym. Um, but when they say to me, when I was younger, and they, oh, you're lucky, unlucky you didn't make it, I'm like, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. Nowadays I go, made it, bullshit. I made it better than most of these fo- professionals. So in my long career, a lot of kids came through and and so-called made it NRL you yeah. know like these kids that come through Centrals and a lot of famous names out there that are Centrals you know um, Centrals kids that have made it but um, made it in the NRL sorry but I got to hold down a job a career a family um, three kids now grandkids I'll get mm. into that too <laughs> um, and then play with my best mates yeah for, yeah you know different times different decades I played over three decades so but there's a nucleus of my mates now that go to Magic Round every year. Mm. That 12 of us guys, it was about probably about eight of them played footy for 15 years together mm. at the same club, all same businessmen, family men. Yeah, like, and now we got a gym set up at our, you know, in one of my, oh, it's just moved now from one of my warehouses to Swaffer. Shout out to Swaffer. Um, just set it up last week again, but we were going to that, you know, two, three times a week, have breakfast every Friday morning. With them old footy mates of mine from 25, 27 years ago sort of thing. Still hanging out each week. How you know, that? When you talk about, um, oh, I'm blessed. I'm, you know, I thank God, I thank whoever. But you know, I thank my footy career and, you know, and, and all my mates, I thank for it. Um, shout out to all your boys, the Barra boys. But yeah. um, that's, that stuff is the stuff that helps you in that depression thing. And, oh, and the coolest thing about having blokes that are that tight, it's not a case of going, you know, like blokes just randomly, hey, you okay, mate? We can tell, like, you know, mm. I'm not going to mention names, but there was, you know, six months ago we went to the pub and we had beers and, and literally walked away the next day. I'm like, oh, Joe wasn't so good then. I, mm. I might ring him. So I, I text him the next day, hey, mate, you're right. I rang him. I can't remember. He goes, you're the third one of my mates that rang me today. Picked up on, just on having beers down yeah. the sea view there, picked up on that he was out something wasn't right and three of us had rung him that morning just say, hey, you are, you know, what's going on? And then just had a yarn about what was going on in his life at the time, you know. Yeah. And that's that's where I think I'm I'm blessed and I can really feel for these guys that don't have that and, and well, yeah. that go to the mines and all that sort of thing when you don't have that nucleus of buddies around you mm. um, that look out for you like that and, and, and you looking out for them too. Yeah, 100%, you know, mate. Like I was going to say it's hard because a lot of people don't get to experience that level of mateship and camaraderie in their life. Like it doesn't all come from sports and stuff like that, but it is a very common way it happens a lot. You said boarding school and a mixture of both. But um, it's pretty cool to see that blokes like yourself from where you come from 
are at a level now in today's age that you can speak to another one of your mates from the same background and talk about that sort of stuff, eh? Yeah. Because, you know, totally. five, even five years ago, you fucking probably couldn't have. No. You know? No. And so, seeing those warning signs that your mates, um, well, yeah, struggling. Yeah. yeah. Normally no, they'll no. go, oh, get another beer into you. Yeah, and that's a, that's a cool thing about having cl- close-knit mates. And I don't know how, I mean, I do know how, sorry, you see a lot of these tragedies that happen. Mm. And you can sort of look and go, yeah, I can understand that a little bit. He didn't, Definitely. he didn't, you know, you'd see him at the pub and he was by himself and he, you know, you, he didn't have that nucleus of um, mates around him, I guess you can say. But, mate, it, it's cool what you guys are doing. I, I commend you guys for doing it because you're doing, you're, you're promoting and doing what me and my mates have been doing forever sort of thing, just that looking out. And, and having the um, guests that you've come on here and really talk, you know, the, Live it and all them. I can't yeah, remember yeah. all of them now, but you've yep. you've di- dived into it pretty deep, and everything that they say, you know, there's, you know, sometimes it's people not eating, sometimes they're eating too much, yeah. sometimes they're not drinking, sometimes they're drinking too much, those sorts of things you don't know if you unless you're a good mate with them. Oh, but that's but right. as us as good mates, some of us are drinkers, some of us aren't, some of us eat a lot, some of us don't, yeah. you know. But as soon as something's off. You know, because you're you're pretty tight, you know. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. That's a cool thing. So, I suppose throwing this out as to all your listeners, mm. you've heard it from all the professionals and that. But it's it is dead right what they said. You know, if you if you see a mate is off colour, then just don't just fucking rip in and Ask just say question. what's going Check on. Check in on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Totally but no, so. it was good getting them on because like Cam and I have never said that we're professionals in that field at all. Our thing is deleting head noise one laugh at a time. You know, we try and bring people a laugh and mention that sort of thing. So it was cool getting them on and actually letting them tell people what the go is who have actually done the work and the research and stuff in the field. Yeah, you know? and it was it was definitely changed my mindset of um a few things that I didn't know about. Mm. No, yeah, no, very good. Uh, for sure. But mate, where did you you mentioned oh you sent a few notes through and you did a season in England. Yeah, no, that was... <laughs> how was that? Mate, it was it was unreal. Like, yeah. yeah, same again. Met some guys that I've, I still keep in touch with. I did promise, I'd, you know, me and Sandy both promised we'd be back in 10 years, but that was 20 years ago now, was it? What are we, two? yeah, 2003. There you go. I yeah, realise right. it's 20 years and I still haven't been back to England yet, but we'll get there. Um, mate, it was unreal. It was just, it was such a random thing. I was 28 years old. I had two kids and yep. then turns out, yeah, uh, turns out Sandy was pregnant before we went. Oh, <laughs> so, true. There you go. So I had a driver the whole time in England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Sandy, my beautiful wife. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll give the kids a run down in a bit and the family, but um, yeah, it was it was really random. So good old uh, Donko. Shout out to Donko. I'm going to do more shout outs here than, mate, than Knuckles, mate. Yeah, yeah. He did, he did Twenty three, didn't he? I think yeah. I beat him, mate. <laughs> 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 no, Donko was my coach at Centrals in my first full year in A grade in 94. Yeah. He ended up going on to bigger, better things and won the grand final down here, winning Manly and all that. But great old mate and good coach. And he had he had a lot of time in Europe and that, and he had a lot of contacts over there. And the whole time he was coaching here, he's always scouting young kids to go to England to different clubs that he knew and stuff. Yeah. And he and then when he left Townsville, he'd use me as a contact as a scout with young fellas. And I had young, a lot of young Centrals blokes working for me and going through our club. Anyway, I remember clearly exactly where I was driving past and driving along from Charters Towers back to Townsville with a job and young brownies in the truck with me, 23-year-old single bloke, great football player at our club. And, and Donko just recently spoke to me and I'm like, Brownie, why don't you do it, mate? I said, if I was your age and your situation, no kids, no nothing, you know, no house mortgage. Oh, go. Mate, I would have went to England like the fun stories you hear about it and everything. 
Anyway, trying to talk him into that. By the time I got home, I'd walked into the house to Sandy with two kids screaming and whatever was going on. And, and I just threw it, just like, this is a dickhead idea if I ever heard one. But Sandy, what do you think about packing the business up and going to play footy in England for a year? And she's like, that'd be awesome. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But nice. literally within weeks we'd planned this whole thing and within a couple of months we'd shut the business down. And I was 28. I was in the yeah. prime prime of my building, my business career, I suppose, concreting and shit going on everywhere. Trucks, warehouses, locked the whole lot up. Cost me a fortune, but we were in a posi- position where we budgeted what we could yeah. do for it. Locked everything up, just put it in the warehouse, Red Joe's paid, everything done to go and do six months. Got hooked up with a club. Um, it was a year, so 2002, I played a bit for the young guns and probably my best footy of rep career and anyway, sent some stuff away and Hull KR contacted me and yeah, they were going to hook me up and take me over, get me a job, car, all this sort of shit. Yeah. And then that all sort of come too hard because I was 28 and visas weren't fucking around and that, but we were committed to going, we just wanted to go. At the end of the day, I just rang Hull and just said, look, don't worry about it. I found this other club through me, mate, Donko. St Albans Centurions, the champions, just yep. outside uh, on the edge of London there. Pretty much like Central's Rugby League Club, mate, local. They were yep. National League 3, so I was playing the third division down. Mm. Um, went over there and just had the best piss-up, fun time playing footy. Like yeah. um, Peter Tonkin, another bloke. Aussie bloke was a coach at the time, and a couple of other... Oh, well, actually, there wasn't many Aussies there, but I ended up dragging mates of mine that were working in London doing... Fuck all, all they were doing, going to walkabouts, yeah, meeting Aussies and fucking whatever. I said, fuck, come meet English, mate. We're in England, like so. They came and played footy with our club too, Stritty and bloody Sharky and different followers. And mate, we travelled all over England playing footy every weekend. I got a job, rang up the concrete company. They put me in touch with the builder. He's give me a cash job. Bloody end up running his crew over there <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that, and employing half my footy mates to come and pull jobs down, and just had a ball, mate. It was bloody. It was it was just an experience. Clancy started his grade one. My oldest boy, shout out to Clancy. Um, grade one, he started. So Sandy did that through correspondence through Charter's House. She yep. taught him the first six months of his grade one yeah, over nice. there in England. But he went to daycare and Bodie, my second boy, um, he went to daycare and that over there too. And yeah, they just got to run around and. Pommy bloody English soccer shirts and you know, lived in a little house in Watford uh, on the edge of London. It was it was just yeah, a life experience, unbelievable. Um you know, not unfortunately, but unfortunately for Ashlyn, my daughter that was born back in um, Australia. But yeah, we got to within two weeks of the semi finals or something and Sandy was tinkering on not being able to fly so we uh, boogie at home and um, oh yeah yeah because she didn't want to have a baby in those hospital systems over oh, there no. sorry england sorry tommy the pommy but yeah. <laughs> yeah. your hospital yeah. systems in 2003 didn't look so great so. neither's your weather cup <laughs> <laughs> mate believe it or not we had record hottest summer ever in england that in when 2003 mm. which didn't bother me shit hot i'm north queensland you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was probably, you know, as far as weather goes, it was probably the best six, five months we spent over there in the end of whatever. Um, weather was unreal and, yeah, just built. I mean, oh. in saying that, I was pulling roofs off of tiles off a bloody old house, farmhouse we were doing there and it was sleeting snow one mm. day, you know. And yeah. Shit. And first train and run, the grass was frozen. Like I got there in the middle of winter and then obviously ended up and left in the middle of summer. Like the walk, walked out and the, uh, the uh, grass was crunching under your feet because it was just white and frozen. Yeah. And you fell over and your feet, your hands hit the bloody um, the tag marks and it was all frozen. Like felt like it was slicing your hands open. Eh? And 
you know when you get cold here and you get yeah. your fingers cold? I was cold up through the elbows. I couldn't burn, move my elbows over that cold. But wow. anyway, it warmed up quick and it was pretty funny. I ended up captain of our team over there. So you're always talking to the ref. Yeah. And holy hell, you go up to go up north and <laughs> yeah. the Geordies or whatever, the Newcastle followers and that, you can't understand it. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're fucking into me and they're carrying on. And the best fun I used to have was when you go to the ref, the two captains would come to the ref and mm. you're barking off at the ref. And then I'd just stop and say, hey, ref, can you tell them to speak English, please? Fire up Oh, fire up because those Geordies, they will fight. And mm. anyway, no, I can't. So yeah. anyway, lucky I had them bluffed. But, but mate, no, what a fucking, fun. what an unreal thing to do, though. Like, and kudos to you. We always say to, like, young people, if they haven't got anything planned, go and experience something. You know, that was your something to go and just have a bit of fucking of adventure, you know? Oh, yeah, like, no. we went to Canada and had an adventure, but that's definitely worth doing just to experience that. It's almost like you're not in reality for that few months, right? You're just, like, having this experience and then you're back to back to what you do, but well, uh, that sounds <laughs> tell awesome. Me, tell me you, you wouldn't have the chat game and the whatever you've got. If you didn't go to Canada. That's no. right. Mate, the, the, the trade. You know, Trade's the them. biggest thing. Yeah. If we didn't do a trade, I wouldn't have half the lip. <laughs> yeah, the, the trade here with them and then, yeah, going to experience that in Canada and just getting those life experiences. And I think I think living away from um, your family and your loved ones for a bit when you really find yourself a little bit as in you have no one that's looking at you and judging what you're doing or whatever and it's just purely what you want to do and, you know, I yeah. think it's a pretty cool feeling. Totally, mate. And um, I did it when I was 21. Like I said, I went to America, but I literally went for a holiday. It was, mm. I was shacked up with Sandy. She was pregnant. And I'm like, Fuck, well, I don't go now because all my brothers had been to America, like been over. We had a lot of friends around America. Yeah. Um, so I had to do it. So I bolted while Sandy was pregnant, went over for six weeks, did my little stint over there, just catching up and getting around and seeing what all my older brothers had talked about forever. Yeah. Um, which became a lifelong love, though. So me and Sandy now have gone 29 times, I think, and taken our kids. Our kids wow. <laughs> yeah, 29 <laughs> times. <laughs> I yeah, think something wild. stupid showing off. But that's – I've worked my ass off. I started my business, so getting back to, you know, the history. Started my business when I was 21. Yeah. Um, did a tough trade with an old Dutchman, old Sites Van Donderen. Don't know if he's still alive. Fucking um, hell, that's a mouthful. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Van Donderen. There yeah. you go. I can't spell, but I remember spelling. I the can man, spell his Dutchman. name. <laughs> But he was a hard-ass bastard, but, you know, he taught me a brilliant trade. Everyone in Townsville knows how good a concrete I am because of sites. I go, oh, yeah, he learned off sites. Sort of. Anyway, um, then he pushed me into start my own business. He actually taught me how to go and be a plumber. I was going to go and be a plumber. Um, he talked me out of that and said, stay with concrete. And I'd been working with him for only six months just as a, you know, lead-in to get an apprenticeship. Yeah. And he told me, he said, see my boat that you wash every month. <laughs> see my house. See this. That's out of a good trade called concreting. Great oh, goal. It's not an apprenticeship because, yes, it is. It's just not, you know, technically you go to TAFE or whatever. But mm. he said, in six months I've seen you, you, you're doing all right. I'm just advising you, do what you want, but stay with it. I still thank him to this day. I still enjoy, I'm nearly 50 and still enjoying concrete and believe it or not, like 40 degrees, 47 degrees out in Mount Isa, sometimes not so enjoyable. But, mate, just finishing yesterday morning, you know, pouring at 4 o'clock in the morning, by 11.30, we'd finish this awesome big cul-de-sac. Just cool shit. You know, yeah. like anything I've built in the mines, you know, built a big dam wall up at Normanton, mate, but across mm. the, the Glenor Weir, 250-metre long, 4-metre high dam wall on the on the Norman River, mate. Like, Fuck yeah. unbelievable job. Took us five months to do, but 
you go up there now and see the flood going through that and the barrow jumping up through the fish ladder we built. You know, just sick. cool, sick shit. You yeah. know? Good job satisfaction as well. Mate, hence you just constantly say to these young people, which I don't know how we crack through to the young people nowadays, but job satisfaction, life satisfaction, like you guys are fitters, you know, or trade, just anyone in the trades, you, you know, you do a job, it's satisfaction, isn't it? Well, I think if you don't get satisfaction out of a job or you're not trying to do a job and be happy with it at the end, you're not in the right gig. That's no, what I reckon. You and know? That's, that's fitting too. There wasn't much job satisfaction because you turn around in three weeks' time and be fucked again. <laughs> so, in the mines. But that's why I, I was always um, a bit jealous of a chippy because you go, you put that frame up, Build I built house. that house. You concreted that bridge or yeah. whatever. No, no, that is a cool thing compared to your trade, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So got, in the fitting thing, I've got to do a shout-out to my son-in-law. So my daughter who's just had my first grandson. I've got a granddaughter already, yeah. one-year-old granddaughter, Clancy and Gemma, my son, eldest son. So um, shout-out to them and little Eliana, beautiful little one-year-old. Nice. And now my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, just had um, Radley, little boy, four-month-old boy with Tom. Yeah. And Tom's a fitter. Nice. So there you go. Jeez, you know, that's a good combo, he's a Tom. Big fan, big fan. I should say Tom's a good guy, and everyone asks me what's he like, and I said, oh, well. If he's a fitter and his name, Tom should, should be in the running. That's no, right, mate. Anyway, good cunt. No, he's a mad cunt. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tommy would love the fact I called him a mad cunt, but yeah. anyway, at home, you just got to wash the dishes, mate. Yeah. <laughs> no, good stuff, mate. No, no, that's cool that you've done some cool, like, good jobs like that, mate. Do you reckon growing up like you did, um, good, honest, hard work, and that? is why you sort of enjoy concreting and the satisfaction out of that, like the way you've sort of got brought up and working hard, mate? Without a doubt, mate. I mean, Lambert, you know, Dad, we're up at 5 o'clock in the morning riding horses out in freezing cold in the middle of winter or whatever to go and muster 10,000 acres and it's what you did and you didn't eat or drink till lunchtime when you got home sort of thing. You yeah. just grew up in that tough environment of the bush. Um, shearing, my two eldest brothers were shearers and I went off in shore for six weeks. Bloody broke all the records in the world I thought I was going to do um, when I when I left school. And uh, asked my eldest brother, Sean, um, said, when's your backstop hurting? Eh? Like, I've been doing this six weeks now and it's still hurting. He said, I've been doing 20 years, you've just put up with it. So oh. I, quit, I quit the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, mate, the toughest job in the world. But but glad I did that six weeks of shearing because it made concrete and feel easy. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy enough. I went to another back-breaking job. But, you know, nothing like bending over shearing. I mean... People that don't know, eight hours bending over, fighting a sheep the whole time, cleaning your own coat. Like, it is by far the most underpaid, hardest job in the world, bar none. Like, yeah. So, yeah, shout out to those blokes in the wool still, in the wool industry. It's a tough game. And is it? have they adapted at all from back in the day to help that? Like, can they raise the fucking level of the sheep so they can shear it in front of them? Oh, or, no. <laughs> or hang them? Crutching you can, and there is some shearing machines. I think, I, you know, I've been out of the game for yeah, that long yeah. now. I blew the wool off three last year, actually, three kilos. I had to had, see if I still did it after 27 years. How'd you go there? Butcher them a bit? No. Oh, <laughs> Phoenix. Just, just to say, no, no yeah. it wasn't too, oh, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too good, but it wasn't too bad after yeah. that long. But, mate, um, I don't think they have. It's pretty much like just... Screed and concrete, eh? It's, mm. There's not much, you know, there's screeding machines and all that, but when you get to the nitty-gritty of the little jobs you've got to do here and there, you just got to bend your back and do it. And they got um, spring things that hold their back up and that, but when I saw them, I thought, oh, they just hold you up, but they don't. You've got to be able to free, move freely, mm. so they take about five pounds of pressure off your back or something, those springs that they shears up through. But, mate, no, it's just a hard, hard yak, a tough job. Like, and the crazy thing is you, when you think about it, okay, I've compared it to block lane. 
you know, blockies, they might lay 200 blocks a day. Mate, good blocky might lay 300 blocks a day. They're 15 kilogram block. They go pick them up. Butter. This shout out to Beldo. Sorry, Beldo, picking on block layers. <laughs> good mate <laughs> of mine. But um, you pick a block up, you butter it up, and you lay it, and you get paid paid about the same amount, I think, for laying a block now as you get for shearing a sheep. Shearing a sheep, you've got to clean your cutters, sharpen your own cutters. You've got to go in, tackle a sheep in the pen virtually, drag it across the board, six, eight foot across the board, spend three, four, five minutes shearing it, you know, and then put it down, then go get another one. Like doing all that, and you get paid about the same money as you do for laying a block. So that's mm. it. That's why I say it's an underpaid, out of the out of touch Fuck game. Yeah, man. That tough. should be a fight night, sheep shearers and Bricky's labourers. Yeah, they'd yeah. bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be a tough. That'd be a tough ring. Yeah. yeah they, you want to uh, supply a lot of beer. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah. But there were some good yarns from the shearing days. Like, say, Sean, my oldest brother, was always a larrikin. He always had a larrikin in the shed. Kenny Miller, shout out to Kenny. He's an old shearer from out at Richmond. Still still kicking around old Kenny. Um, but him and Sean, like, Sean was a young fella. Kenny was the old fella back in the day. Used to play some mad tricks on each other. And I mean tricks that you just... So they had shearing cars, they called them old shed cars or whatever. They'd just buy them for 400 bucks or whatever and drive from shed to shed till they died and then get another one. Yep. But um, I think Kenny Miller had shit in, Brandon, uh, in Sean's wash-up gear one day. So the wash-up gear he'd throw, he comes and cutters, you can't see, it's just dirty, filthy water. He'd put a shit in it. So Sean was throwing his cutters in it all day. And then at the end of the day, you'd dig in there to get your comes and cutters out and he'd just pulled out a big turd. Oh. <laughs> so Sean thought, oh, well, that's fine. You know? And they never got mad, they just got even. So mm. on the end of the sar shed, neighbours of ours, Sean went out for a smoke five minutes before cutout. Guys get the firefighting pump, which is, you know, everyone had a firefighting pump for wetting the yards down to keep the dust down. Three-inch hose, firefighting pump, like big pressure. Yeah. Winds all the windows up in Kenny's car, puts a window, puts a pipe through the top window and starts a pump and walks back inside and shears his last, she- shears his last sheep. And then everyone knocks off at 5.30, walk outside, and here's water coming out of the tops of the windows. <laughs> like, filled his car full of water. Like, Fuck just as a joke. Like, yeah, who yeah. does that? Yeah. Yeah. Another time, Sean, they were going to town on hump day. Like, they were close enough to town to go, to go to the pub on hump day on Wednesday afternoon. They're cruising in. Sean gets his old Kingswood or whatever can he was driving. And Sean hooks a bloody bit of tyre wire up to the um, carburetor, you know, and pulls it down through the passenger door. And as they're coming up to the first corner... Kenny goes to slow down, Sean just pulls on the old accelerator, you know, just doing 100 mile an hour around this corner. Like he said, Kenny's hanging on nearly all. Then he comes up to a grid, the old grids, the cattle grids out in, out in the bush, they're big humps, you know, and they, you can jump a car over them. He, he, old Kenny goes to slow down and he pulls the accelerator and he's playing with the brakes and hitting, thinking, oh, this accelerator's sticking. And the, the whole time Sean's telling us this yarn 30 years ago, I'm like, do you realise you're in the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <that's> right. <laughs> nearly, must... nearly rolling the car on every corner and thinking it's a fun joke. <laughs> oh, mate. But, mate, they played some serious shit on each other back in those days. That would have been – was that like a proper hard work and then when you knock off, drink, get on the piss? Or mate, they... drank a carton of VB night. Yeah. Like, and did the hardest job in the world, sit up playing cards till after midnight most nights, a lot of shearers. Nowadays it's a lot different. A lot of these younger fellas are into fitness and yeah. bloody not drinking like they used to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, back in, back when I was a kid, mate, there was a carton a night, old Frankie Corrigan, shout out to old Frankie. He was a carton and, carton and a bottle of Plonk a night. Like, Fuck. And get up. And, uh, you know, there was one old shearer that used to have a six-pack for lunch and a couple for smoker sort of thing. Eh? But it's just... Yeah, talk about tough. I mean, just a, no. just a different world, eh? Nah. Like that's just a total different fucking. But I and but I'm not that old. This is a crazy thing. Yeah. You look back at those times and you're just like, 
shit, that's in my lifetime and I'm, I'm not even 50 yet. So, mm. I think so, yeah, she's, yeah, it's a bit of an eye-opener to people who don't understand that or don't have no idea about the bush, I guess. I yeah, guess. for sure. They're still, like, not to that scale, but right out in the middle of fucking nowhere, there'd still be similar setups like that, though. Oh, mate, they? the shoe like, and 100%. Look, the shoe and shed is still out of their property, you know, mm. exactly the same. And all the properties that have still got sheep. A lot of people went away from sheep, you know, through... I can't remember, yeah, you know, the wool downturn, obviously, and all that sort yep. of thing. But there's people still hanging on to sheep out west there, and I talk to them, and they're, they're doing as good as they ever done, ever did, sorry, um, in prices and stuff like that. Eh? So, but yeah. anyway, getting off topic a little bit, probably. Oh, no, mate, <laughs> so fucking, that's all it's all about, just having a yarn. She's all good. I suppose getting into the elite rodeo, right? Or I don't know if you called it that from the very start but how did you come up with the idea to build yourself something in Townsville so right I back on track where I was saying before I learned to break wanted yep. to do that when I finished um, finished playing football so me and Sandy bought the place we've got now probably 16 like 20 years ago or something and so I was going to build an arena so I went about using old concrete pipes and just whatever and just built this arena the way I wanted to do it and got a rope and box built and um um just going to, yeah, I'm going to figure out how to put in footings for a light tower and for lighting and all that sort of stuff because I wanted to be able to get home from work, saddle a horse and rope. And it was mm. only ever for myself. I didn't want to be a rodeo champion. I just wanted something to do, like I said, because I yeah. always had footy training. Keep you going. Take the footy training out. I want to put something else in there and that was what it was going to be. Did a shit box, you know, arena. Didn't do it good. The roping box that I got built is still sitting in the sand just at the end of the arena, not even mounted yet. Anyway, so and never got time to do it, rape and whatever. Anyway, just busy with work and what's going on and kids. Um, then we bought this block of land, you know, eight years later, whatever, which is probably ten years ago or something now, across the road from us, across the highway. <coughs> and anyway, so no, I'm going to do it properly. So a good mate of mine, Sean Dunnigan from America, shout out Sean. Um, he he builds arenas in America and designs them and all that. So yeah, I flew nice. him over. He came over for six weeks, helped me design this arena around the landscape, keeping all the trees, everything. You know, just big girl I wanted it to be nice you know yeah started helping me build it you know using all this pipe and everything that we did um I imported pipe from China to build the arena and totally just for me to rope it was all I just wanted somewhere nice to do and that's what it was going to be as I was getting this is 2015 as I was getting near the end of building it people were coming to see it and I'd, you know cowboy mates or whoever I saw around was you know, coming to have a look at it and they're like you can't just use this to rope you've got to run some shit here you know this is cool mm. So anyway, then so this seed was planted about running events or ropens and then when I started running, thinking about ropens, I'm like, started building a bit of a hill for a bit of a crowd and I put a little bar in and different things and well, why just roping? Let's do a rodeo. <laughs> Let's do a rodeo. Fucking yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, so I had to cut the side of the arena out to put shoots in. Originally I put um, only four shoots in. Ferber, good mate of mine, Ferber, shout out Ferber. Um, he built the four shoots originally. Um, did a, he did an awesome job with that. Yep. Built, but, and then I started setting about designing this event. So I'm a concreter. Me and Sandy are you know, running a concreting business. Uh, how are we going to run rodeos, whatever? I've never, mm. never rodeoed. I mean, a potty calf ride as a kid. But, sorry, I've got a little bit of history in it. I've been supporting and helping with PBR since they came to Australia 25, 26 years ago. Yep. Glenn Young, who's been running PBR pretty much the whole time, good mate of mine. Um, so I went to him for advice. Me and Sandy went to Calgary Stampede. I went to the NFR in um, Vegas. Went to bull rides, you know, everywhere in America mm. and Australia, obviously. Um, so sat down with Glenn Young helping me, um, with me with these big ideas. I'm an ideas person. I, my mind goes... 
pretty busy yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. So I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to, you know, it's Calgary Stampede, and this is a dream I always had of Australian Calgary Stampede sort of deal. Um, Glenn from PBR, shout out to you, mate. Um, but he was, yes, hang on, just to start off a bit smaller, you know, because like, he was one with Troy Dunn and that, that started, you know, DYD, which become PBR in Australia. Yep. He said, don't go too big, too quick. And, and then Sandy's the same. She's my rock. She's my helper. She's my rein me in person, you know, with mm. him. otherwise I would have been broke years ago. Yeah. So anyway, we came to a compromise of how big I was going to make it and how much they didn't want it to start off small to somewhere in the middle. But in saying that, our first rodeo, and the, sorry, the actual event itself, the elite, the, where the name came from, we tossed around a lot of names. We called it the Stampede, you know, a lot of names. But the elite one was that just came out because I wanted to do something that was elite. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> I did some research with, a, um, I think his name was William O'Toole, massive events coordinator from Australia he was, but he went to Dubai and did 400 events in Dubai over 10 years or something like that. Massive events, you know, racing. We're talking Formula One and all that sort of deal. Yeah. Did a seminar with him. The whole time I heard blah, 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 pretty much, except something that just kept coming back to me that I remembered now from the day he said it was, if you're going to succeed, you've got to be different and you've got to be better. Well, what am I doing? I'm doing a rodeo. That's just the rodeo. It's nothing different. But I've done a rodeo with a difference. Hence, then the elite thing. I wanted to do something that was elite and different to normal rodeos in Australia. Yep. Uh, Brendan Clark, who's a good mate of mine, shout out Brendan. Um, that's number 18. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm raining your knuckles. Um, <laughs> he's a bull rider from Australia, yep. Newcastle boy, but went to America and pretty much rode PBRs in America. Probably apart from Troy Dunn, our most successful Australian bull rider. Uh, I think he earned a million dollars riding bulls for tw over a 12-year career in America. Um, used to come back to Australia all the time anyway. So he, I was in America, sat down with him over a 40-pounder of rum because he didn't get it very often. So every time I'd visit him, we'd take, uh, take a rum over there for him and, and it just came up. Over the, you know, as you do over a bottle of rum, you come up with a lot of good ideas and stupid ones. But yep. we designed this elite rodeo, which originally was just an invitational only event. Yeah. So I like that Calgary Stampede. That invites all the top cowboys for the whole year in America and Canada to come and compete at Calgary Stampede and then have the top four they come and shoot out. So I pretty much run off that. We had 12, invited 12 competitors per event. So we got all, all the rodeo events. We got breakaway for the ladies and barrel race and we got bareback, bronc ride. Steer wrestling, team roping, rope and tie, and bull ride. Yeah, unreal. Um, and so it, the first year we had 90 competitors, I think it was roughly, um, across the events because some of them compete in two or three events, you know, the rope and tie and the team roping. Um, I rang around Australia not knowing any cowboys hardly, you know, a little bit of influence with them but not many, just getting phone numbers off whoever I knew and asking this person on to the next person and, and ringing people and going, I'm, and telling them my concept, you know, I'm Quentin Kirsch, I've um, designed this elite rodeo, we're going to run it, and literally in five months. Yeah. <laughs> so from when I started the idea, I think it was about March or April or something, till August in 2016, we ran our first rodeo. Um, and yeah, we got 90 competitors. I wanted to run a little junior rodeo before it because it was all about promoting juniors in the sport. I'll just backtrack a little bit. So through my after my footy career, I travelled with um, good mates of mine that were the development coaches for the Cowboys. Yep. And I used to do the tours with them out west and go to my hometown and go to Mount Isa and Bullia and all those places. I just donated a couple of weeks every year or every couple of months to go out and do a bit, you know, to give back to the sport, I suppose. That gave me everything. And, yeah. And, and um, when I say gave me everything, I never took a cent for football, but... Um, 
my mates that we talked about That's before, right. yeah. and my wife who was a football fan, and you know my family and everything. I, th- I put a lot of it back to my footy career and and, yep. and stuff like that. So see, doing these sports tours, and we used to travel with other all these other cricket and netball and you know AFL and all that sort of stuff. We'd go to all these schools and and show all these kids in these schools all these different sports and the pathways they could take. If they were the next Jonathan Thurston, if there was a kid in Bullia that was the next Jonathan Thurston, he'd get all the help and the steps and put in front of him just about and, and scholarships and all that sort of stuff to be the next Jonathan Thurston. Mm. But in rodeos, there's not. There's no pathways except if you're a kid with a rodeo family. You yeah, follow mum right. and dad around to the rodeos and you do the potty calves and you you, know, you progress through that. But there's not some kid... Like a scout sort of system. Some, yeah, no, no scout system and that. So that was sort of our mission statement from the start. We wanted to really improve in junior rodeo stuff. So, um, so that first year we just we had thirty four junior competitors. Yeah. Um, so to fast track, I suppose to last year, we did a couple of years of the invitational only, and then every cowboy and every person that came said, you know, they want everyone. The news was getting around. This was pretty hyped up and pretty good, cool deal. Yeah. Um, Everyone wanted to be part of it and be in it and be you know be able to compete. So we opened it up then to open nominations, and now we run over two days. We couldn't do it over one day. We um, last year we had three hundred and forty open competitors, I think, and one hundred and thirty-four junior competitors. So that's a massive, I mean, you know, milestone for us, I suppose, to see it yeah. grown. And that's in seven years. Obviously, we didn't run one year for COVID. Mm. So six rodeos, our sixth rodeo last year, we've grown from that to that. So. Yeah, I guess we did a five and a ten year plan that I wanted to be somewhere after ten years, and we've excelled that after six years of rodeo. So. Happy days, mate. Pretty hats off to you, mate. Yeah, yeah. no, pretty um, yeah, pretty nice achievement, I think. Um, going back to that first rodeo, bring me and Brandon Clark sitting down designing it, everything, and and Glenn Young telling me to hold back, and I want to invite all these American people that I knew, all the cowboys and that, but. We did, we compromised, but we did bring some pretty cool people over. You know, Brandon Clark came over, he was retired by then, but he came over and commentated for me. We bought, I always wanted to bring a, an American entertainer because our, unfortunately, we're great in a lot of things in Australia, but there's just not many people doing that entertainment. You know, the rodeo clown, the comedy clown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's a big thing. PBR have done greatly, bringing guys over for the main events and that from America because they're it's a sport over there. Yeah. It's, you know, they're Keep so the crowd hyped up and stuff big like time. That. So we've done that nearly every year since uh, till COVID. Then since COVID, um, shout out to Big Tate. Tate's our announcer now, young fella. That's um, he's a bulldog, Australian champion himself. But he's announcing a lot of the rodeos around Australia now. He's unbelievable how um, entertaining he is. So mm. since COVID, we haven't brought a clown in from America, and he's done the whole job himself, which is yeah, cool. unreal. But um, so we bought an entertainer in Gizmo, Gizmo, uh, Gizmo McCracken, his name was, world-renowned clown from America. Luke Branquino came over in our first rodeo. He's five-time world champion steer wrestler. Yeah, absolute gentleman, absolute brilliant PR person to bring over for my first event. Yeah. Um, and then Ty Posibon came over as well, who was a friend of ours through PBR, um, been to his wedding, just good mate of ours. And um, he came over, to, he was a bull rider, he was Canada's number one bull rider at the time. Mm. Um, he came over because he always said he'd been to our grounds and stuff, been over here for PBR, and he always said, "When as soon as I run my first event, he'll come." And you know, a lot of people say stuff, Tough, but yeah. then I rang him. Rang him this one, you know, the day I rang him, he's like, "You bet, book yeah. my ticket. I'm there," you know. And he came and what a bloody champion, little bloke. Now, can I dive into something else here? Mm. Now, Ty Posibon, who's now unfortunately you'll pick up from this, it's called the Ty Posibon Foundation. Ty, from our rodeo, 
uh, left, went to the World Finals. So we, have, we were in August. He went to the World Finals in Vegas in November that year. And, um, and then he was sitting for the first three days of World Finals. He was sitting number one in the world. He ended up third or fourth in the world. Won 96 grand that week. Um, that was in November or December, I think it was. And the 9th of January, two months later, he committed suicide. Um, Fuck. Now, Ty, just known to, <coughs> known to everyone, live like Ty. I wear a lot of shit. I wear a necklace. It's live like Ty. His family all got made with these dog tags because Ty was the happiest, most fun. Every bull rider in the PBR in America and Canada talk about Ty still now. A lot of them, even that ride now, were kids when they rode or, or the older fellas. He was a kid when they rode. So for the last 25 years, Ty's been tied a name linked with over there and he was always the funnest guy, always a party guy. It was to the point where when you guys, I'll bring this in because the suicide thing such a big thing. Ty, we went over to his funeral and talking to his cousins and, you know, like... Um, spoke to him every day and everything so Kyle one of his close cousins said he was talking to him that morning you know and just no indication um he went into town and bought pipe off his mate at the garage some hose uh. to gas himself drove home on the way home swerved at his mate one arm out the window at his mate going the other way on the, on the road like fuck went home ironed his best bull rod and shirts laid a bullet for his mum wrote the letter and and finished it and he was then since oh, diagnosed um diagnosed with cte which is the you know the whole concussion thing um which is you know it's a bittersweet thing whatever you i don't know what you want to call it it's just it was a disease that he mm. just couldn't get rid of the pain you know going from waving and running blokes <laughs> an hour later you know mm. he, he he ends his own life um young married fellow luckily no kids i suppose you could say luckily but um you know, left a widow and a family just reeling for, what the hell, 25 years old. So, yeah, you never can tell. Like, you know, a lot yeah. of people So to that point, I suppose I'll just throw that point out there to people who have mates commit suicide and a mad dog last week lost seven seven mates in the last, well, six yeah. months or whatever it is. Like, mate, there's nothing There's nothing you can do. I've had, I've had a mate who's had his twin commit suicide and thought he could... What what didn't I do, mate? There's just nothing. He spoke to him that night, and then his twin committed suicide that night. There's 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 nothing you can do. It's just when it comes to that point, sometimes is. Well, mate, that's why I think you talked about it earlier. That's why it's very important whenever you do get the opportunity to notice something in your mate to ask them if they're all right, because sometimes you don't even get that opportunity, right? Totally, and and with Ty, I guess get on to the good side of Ty's. You know, every disaster or whatever, you know. Something out of it, and the, the Thai Positive End Foundation has come out of it. Has now bought in this protocols in bull riding and, and rodeos that is similar to the footy, not not as strict as the football is at the moment with the eleven days and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But now you get knocked. I mean, I've seen bull riders do the chicken dance on the arena and ride that night, if not the next night, no yeah. problem, or night after night. And so those things are now the awareness of it now. Um, I know several people that have retired because of. Um, because of Ty, like bull riders are retired. My own son, uh, Clancy, um, he retired last year at 26. He was captain of Central Rugby League. Great player in the community in Townsville. Um, he retired. He's got a young family now. And he got knocked out twice last year. And just for the couple of weeks after he got knocked out, there was no protocols. It was, you know, you pass the test or whatever. Mm. But he just said, I felt off. And for, those, for a couple of weeks after the two times I got knocked out, I felt off. And he said, I don't want to end up like that. So he... 
and you know I've never been prouder. Mm. No, well, mate. Yeah, that uh, at least there is that exposure, you know, and you going through something like that. At least, it, yeah, it'd be good for you to see that your son's seen what happened, and yeah, you know. and, and and that's the good that comes out of it, mate. I, I would never take. I think. My wife, obviously, my memory, my memory as I'm getting older, my memory's getting worse. But I think it's worse than that. I think I think I've oh, I played how many games, you know? Over, oh, and yeah. I was a tackler. I was a lock. I, I tackled so 40, 50 times a game. I, and I got my head in, rattled. Back in those days, <laughs> even when I was coming through, like playing as an eighteen, and that was fuck all ago. There was no. Um, Head injury assessment. There was yeah. fuck all. It was like, are you dizzy? Are you good? Yeah. You're right. Fucking oh, here. Bit of water. Psh, you <laughs> magic, know, so. magic sponge. You used wouldn't have the sponge, but I had the sponge yeah. as a young. So, father. like, mate, I can imagine your day, like me old boys' day, and that it was just harden the fuck up sort of stuff. Mm. You know. So one one instance, grand final. I was captain in two thousand and three. It was no, it wasn't. It was two thousand and one. Two thousand and one grand final. Um. Got clean out, big elbow straight across the chin. First ten minutes of the game, split ten stitches under my chin. Literally yep. dragged off by two trainers. My my toes dragging on the ground, like just totally KO'd. Yep. Got stitched up in the dressing room. I remember they said they used to back in my day. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but they they tell you a number, a name, and a colour. And they said twenty three John Red. And I just sat there while I was getting the stitches and everything. I was twenty. In my head, 23 John Red, 23 John Red, because I knew that's what I had to remember to get mm. back on the field. 23 John Red. Went back out in the field. Sandy came come up to me, checked if I was okay and everything. I thought she was my girlfriend. I had two kids at the time. Um, oh. And I and wondering why everyone was there. There's 6,000 people at the Sports Reserve for a grand final. Usually there's 200 people at a local game. And I'm like, what's everyone doing here? Like, footy game, you know? Yeah. Not even last grand final. And then, hey, how are you feeling? You remember what I said? Yeah, 23 John Red. Boom, out I go, went and played the whole second half. Don't remember a frigging tackle the whole game. Oh. Remember nothing. Like just that's yeah. and it wasn't anything fault to anybody. No. This was just what was done and, and mate, they couldn't have held me back for love or money. Like, no, that's no right. Way they would have stopped me at getting the time, on the field. Yeah. And same as them bull riders. Bull riders will swear that it's my body. If I want to get on a bull after being knocked out, I want to get on a bull. It's my livelihood and it's my mm. body. So there's that argument a little bit, but at the end of the day, this CTE that's coming in and people now losing control of committing suicide because of something that's just eating them up inside, then that's why we've got to have these protocols and there's nothing better, I think, you know. Mm. But, but rugby league, mate, wouldn't take a single tackle away, wouldn't take a single game, single yeah, yeah. year no. away from my career. I loved it, loved every minute of it till the mm. day I finished playing and, um, and, and love watching it now. Bodie's still playing, my middle son. Yep. He's killing it. He's, um, yeah, you know, nothing better than me and all them old Central's boys. We always get in there on a Sunday and have a beer and, and watch the game and get a bit boisterous. And, yeah, yeah, for sure, mate. Nothing, nothing like it, eh? It's no, awesome. that's, that's fucking good, man. Hey, before you mentioned you've brought some pretty cool people over and through that experience, I'm sure you've met some pretty cool cats. But we had lunch with you a while ago and you were telling us about meeting a bloke that we both fucking admire. <laughs> Cowboy <laughs> Cerrone, mate. How the f- Tell us so, that, young. Yeah, no, that was pretty cool. So Brandon Clark, Skeeter, who, who helped me design the um, radio. So I just crack another beer. Yeah, you <laughs> Fuck yeah, you're not. Mouth's getting a bit dry. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. He gave us a it's shout out the other day too. Yeah, yeah. The old Cerrone gave us a, one oh, of the boys. Bullshit. What was his name? Uh, Kevin, is it? I'll find out. Yeah, yeah one I of the boys. stuff that up. Quinn will get onto that. But, yeah, one of the boys put a video on the Trendsetters group the other day. He was overseas and Cerrone was at an event. Oh, and he got and he got Cerrone to go shout out to the boys. Oh, like, yeah, awesome. which That's we were cool like, shit. get fucked. How cool is that? 
So the, my know. story is a little bit different to that one because yeah. there's no shout outs at all. Yeah. It's quite, quite the opposite. So anyway, I, I don't know what – this is 2014. We're over there at the PBR finals. I think I could be wrong with my year, but I'm pretty sure it was 14. Anyway, I was there with Brandon. Brandon was – I don't know if he was still riding or just announcing that year or maybe behind the shoots or something. So we were up on the concourse at the PBR just prior to the event. Yeah. Anyway, over there, Gianna, me and Sandy and Brennan and Ali, his first wife, might have been there or something. I can't remember. And Anyway, this bloke's walked past and go, hey, cowboy, come over here and come meet a mate of mine. Anyway, this fella comes over and, like I said, I wasn't a boxing or USC fan or anything, but yeah. um, this fella comes over and, hey, cowboy, meet a mate of mine. And I said, oh, cool nickname, because my nickname at Central's has, since I was 18, is cowboy as well. Yep. Something to do with turning up the first train with a bloody hat on, I think. <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, hey, yeah, cowboy, how you going? Cool nickname, you know, that's my nickname back at home, you know. Anyway, I had a yarn, had a beer there on the concourse and yarn for five minutes, probably ten minutes. Next morning, me and Brandon, so um, me and Brandon also did a little venture over there. I bought um, cutting horses, not cutting horses, but um, quarter horses with Brandon in America. We used to go to Fort Worth and buy horses over there and Brandon's a horse trainer now since his bull riding career yeah. and a bloody good one at that. He's won some grand champions in America last year and that was going real good, but... When he was starting his career, he wanted to buy horses and train them and sell them to start getting his name out there. So I went partnerships with him and funded it, and um, and then he trained them and we split the money and stuff. But so the next morning we're down at Flamingos there in the cafe in the casino in Vegas, having breakfast and talking about and designing this whole thing, what we're going to do, five year plan and everything. Anyway, this fellow walks in from the night before, cowboy and his um, girlfriend. Anyway, hey, cowboy, come have breakfast. You know, he comes sat down and I just remembered him because he bloody had shorts on and flip-flops and mm. or thongs, sorry, they call them flip-flops. But mm. um, tattoos all over his feet and I was like, oh, that's a pretty wild character. Anyway, I got yarn and proper having breakfast. What do you do, mate? Oh, a bit of fighting and that. And, oh, good for you, you know. I don't know if you fight as myself. said, you got a job too, though? What do you, like, outside? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is totally not knowing at the time he held the record for right the most UFC his- fights. <laughs> The most knockouts in UFC, like what yeah. the fuck? And I would literally under him, mate. You got a job too, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and mate, he was yeah. just as humble as fuck. He's like, oh no, I'm just trying to give that a crack at the moment. Yeah, here I am, a bit of a you know, mentor in my footy club, mate. Good for you, you know. If you put your mind to it, mate, you can do anything. Literally, <laughs> must have thought this cunt lives yeah. in a rock under a rock somewhere. But yeah. anyway, mate, I reckon he, he probably enjoyed it. He probably just sat there and had breakfast with him without getting peppered by someone. Yeah, so, yeah, thing. so right. and mate, he's girlfriend I think at the time is now his wife and kids yeah. and all that sort of stuff so it was pretty cool but not knowing any of this and Brendan even never even let on he just yeah, like, yeah. You know, he's just a mate of Brendan so it was no biggie sort of him either got back it was two weeks later so this is Beldo again me old brick lane mate <laughs> footy mate um he calls me up and goes come over watch UFC this uh, he's a mad fan you know I'm like yeah right John Jones is main yeah. card pretty sure it was John Jones like, yeah right I'll come watch this stuff you know like, I'd watch fighting but I never knew anyone so the fight before John Jones, this bloody song, do, 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 fucking want to be a cowboy song comes on and, and he goes, hey, cowboy, you'll love this fella. He wears a cowboy hat. Anyway, not even twigging. Anyway, starts coming down the concourse and I look at this bloke and he's got tattoos on his feet and I'm like, and then I look at him like, I know that fella. He's like, no, fucking do. That's my favourite fighter. That's Cowboy Cerrone. I'm like, no, I know him. <laughs> what do you mean you fucking know him? I said, I had breakfast with him two weeks ago. Fuck off, you wanker. He's fucking my favourite fighter. No, fucking my... I said, bud. Anyway, it was fucking... How, what it was a spin just, out, eh? Yeah, it was fucking cool. It was, anyway, that's just a yeah, little famous story. Yeah, no, nah, that's fucking no. funny because I remember you telling me that when we were yeah. having lunch and I went, I fucking definitely have to bring that up. 
on the show because Cam, especially, you fucking love him. Yeah, like, he's been one of my top fucking fighters, definitely. Yeah, and he's just a cool character too. Like you said, he seems like a humble bloke. Just getting into fucking cool shit. Oh, I love yeah. his farm, the bad motherfucker ranch. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> building yeah. the sauna, building his own barbershop, the fucking studios. But the... there's the whole story about him. Like, yeah. He was one of the first UFC fucking um, blokes and all the UFC blokes now have to sign contracts that they pretty much got to wrap themselves in cotton wool. Mm. Whereas Cowboy, he didn't. He was one of their godfathers, so he never did. And he jumps out of helicopters skiing and just loose fucking cool, cave, like, cave diving. That oh, scares just, the fuck out of me. Pretty sure he was saying too that he's fucking, um, he used to take his whole setup with him and stay in it for fight camps and shit, didn't he? Like on the on the road or travel in his own Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bus, bus, yeah that's right. Yeah. Sort of but like just run his own like race. How many times Toes the wake on it? Bellow tells me it all because he knows his, all the foot, boxing career sort of shit. But he said, like, most blokes would only fight, what, every six months, eight months or something like that? Yeah, he's pretty active. They'd ring, they'd ring Cowboy up three weeks after he had a fight. Oh, someone didn't weigh in, mate. You want to fight? Fuck. He'd jump in his bus and drive across America and go and do it. Didn't give a shit, though. And yeah, they, yeah. Just cool, can't. Like, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you got to respect a bloke like that. Oh, for just sure. Cool it's just a shit. cool story, mate, that you yeah, just bumped yeah. into him and fucking. I love that you were giving him, like, yeah, mate, fucking. Do your best, cool, mate. Bud. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Fucking world's uh, best fucking boxer, mate. You put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking you've done it already. Nah, that's awesome, <laughs> But anyway, mate. sort of put it, foot in mouth thing, I suppose. But like yeah. I said, at the end of the day, I reckon it was he, he probably enjoyed it and he sat there oh, and sure. had, had breakfast. But, yeah. I mean, um, jumping back into a couple of other things. I mean, getting back – sorry, jumping back to the rodeo side of things, yeah, I yeah. suppose, and I'll yep. give you a bit of a rundown of where we went with that. But, I mean, what, your love for rodeo, who doesn't love wrecks? You know, you go to car racing to wash crashes, don't you? So mm. everyone loves to go to a rodeo to see a bloke get wrecked off a horse or off a bull or whatever. But, mate, the the toughness in that in these blokes, you just got to admire. Like, you know, footballers are tough and all this without a doubt. But so little story from way back in the um, dream time, but PBR's time. So Rocky McDonald's an American. Oh, he's half Mexican maybe, Rocky, but... Um, American bull rider just come over here from America every year and do the PBRs. So Brandon Clark rings me up on the Saturday morning because the Townsville event was always a two-night event, like Friday night, Saturday night, and he rings me up and goes, hey, fucking, do you know any doctors or something we can get into this morning? I said, why is that? And he said, oh, Rocky McDonald's broke his hand. I'm like, what do you mean he's broke his hand? He can't ride. He's like, no, 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 need to get him in a doctor and get him plastered up. And I'm like, mate, he's to ride bulls tonight. And I'm like, he's got a broken hand. You don't. No, 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 he'd be right. He said he just needs to get some plus. Anyway, I rang around a couple of contacts, couldn't get him. But anyway, I went and picked him up from the casino. We're driving around trying. He goes, you know any vets? I'm like, vets? What do you mean vets? He goes, vets got plus. That's what we do at home. We just go to the vets and they plus up. We walked into these vets with these two PBR riders. They were all on the news at the time, so everyone sort of knew them as soon as we walked in and everything. Like, girls behind the counter, I was lit up. Like, what's going on here, you know? Like, like we just need some plaster, Paris, you know, whatever plaster is. And we literally went out the back of the vets here and they're like, they just thought it was a cool thing that we're going to do it. But they, they were also standing there. They, everyone in the whole vet surgery came in just to watch what this bloke was doing. We literally <laughs> plastered. Me and Brandon became doctors and we plastered his hand. I mean, he's swollen up. It is black. And, like, it was his free hand, luckily, but still, like, broken hand. Yeah, I've broken yeah. bones. And, man, it's painful. And he's not going to go out and just get through the day. He's going to get on a couple of bulls that night. Oh, fuck. Anyway... He he was sponsored by um, Jack Daniels, so he wore black shirts. So we, you know, put this plaster on and then just painted it with Nico, fully black. So he had the black shirt on. People didn't even know that night he had a broken arm. Couldn't even tell. But, yeah, went out and then rode two bulls that night with a broken hand, like swollen and fucked up. Like, man, so the tough, just tough. I mean, you've got to admire that side of it. Oh, 100%, mate. 
Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Um, so then, yeah, getting back into the rodeo thing, mate. I guess to give you a bit of a rundown on how did we go from you know being a concreter and thinking about running this elite rodeo to then succeeding to where it's probably now arguably the single biggest one mm. night rodeo sort of deal um, in Australia. Um, being, you know, I, I touched on it earlier, being different and being better. So yeah. I built the radio grounds myself, like me and my workers, yep. uh, on you know, in the spare time of concreting. Built a stadium, designed it all, you know, turfed the whole thing, just tried to build it nicer than a lot of our events. Like, you know, usually go to rodeos and it's just dirt and dust and, you know, whatever. But everywhere you go, it's just beautiful turf at my place. You put these massive hills around it. I went and measured all the Cowboy Stadium hills back in the day and yep. got all the angles and just did all that. And then just tried to do cool shit, um, just do better food than normal, the corporate. So... The big reason why rodeo is successful is because of the corporate sponsors. And, and any event, you, horse racing, car racing, any event anywhere, flower shows, don't run without sponsors. So yeah. I don't know if it's a commercial thing or not, but can I do a massive shout-out yeah, to all my elite rodeo sponsors. They're unbelievable. Mainly being it's called the Curly Cattle Transport Elite Rodeo. So yep. dipping back to our school footy mate, uh, mm. schoolmate, sorry. Yep. So yeah. Curly's my longest-standing schoolmate from grade mm. 8 to grade 12 we went to he now owns curly cattle transport um came on as a smaller sponsor back in the day and then now he's a he's a naming rights sponsor of our um our rodeo and you know we provide the reason we got sponsors on early one i me and sandy pitched this whole you know what we wanted to do our mission statement of where this was going to go but it was quentin kershaw concrete of why do people think you know why they back us um a couple of things we went we went less is more, sort of we had less sponsors but wanted more money and we're going to give them more. But since then we've done that, like with the corporate sponsors, I don't know if anyone can see it or not, but we've, you've got this beautiful buckle, yeah. like we've got yeah. authentic rodeo buckles made for the corporate sponsors, handmade silky oak glass cabinets to put them in and that. Mm. Instead of most, so I've been sponsor, you know, of every corporate event through my concreting sort of all my life and you get a plaque, you know, thanks for sponsoring sort of thing. You go to the box and you get, you know, wing dings and bloody pies yeah, and dip covered rolls dim sims. And whatever so once again going back you're going to be different you want to be better so we did things a bit different with the buckles you know the nice mm. buckles and you know spent a bit more money doing that built these nice corporate boxes i built a kitchen a live kitchen behind them the famous auntie margaret who's my auntie from sydney she flies up every year for the rodeo and does cooks live for them there mm. so and we have waitresses bringing out just fresh food that's cooked right then and there does seven courses of unbelievable food Unreal. for the corporates um we just try to go that bit further you know and have these barmaids that that know them personally by their name and deliver it after they've asked for their first drink they know what drink they want Every just a good experience and, for people to go, that was fucking good. Oh, like just oh, yeah. best. Like yeah, yeah. And we had a cool thing last year that Queensland um, Events and Tourism or whatever did a survey last year, came in and got on board with us and did a survey and they sent it to us and there was a lot of questions they asked, you know, how do you compare this to other events and how do you, you know, what did you rate this? And, and 96%, 94% and all these things came back at 96% saying the best event they'd ever been to. Mm. And that to me was the hugest compliment in it wasn't people saying it was the best rodeo they'd been to. And the crowd that we attract now aren't rodeo fans so much. It's just people that want to have fun and come to something that's cool. Yeah, that's right. And um, hear people say it's the best event because we don't – it's not just the rodeo. We have kids stuff. We have, you know, merry-go-rounds and jumping castles and all that sort of stuff, face painting for kids. We have 
you know, areas where mum and dad can hang out with the kids but still have a beer. The whole place is licensed. We have to put a lot of security on for that. But mm. um, then we have the band. We've always put live music on straight after the radio and it rolls from the junior radio straight to the main radio, grand, event, grand entry, main radio. That pumps through. We have an intermission which Tate now runs just cool games. This year, actually, oh, well, last year we started doing the best, uh, Australia's best mullet, mm. and that just went off like a bomb. Like oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So, well, I've been going mine for it. Oh, no, so, I hear. So yeah. those that don't know, these boys are coming up. Yeah, yeah. that's right. We'll bringing, be... the, bringing the wives and um, coming up for the whole weekend. So Fuck yeah, be good. We'll, we'll be there with bells on, mate. I'm, uh, I'm real keen. Be well, Tommy's birthday. Yeah. Might have to be Cam. Cam might be your pick for the picking mullet of the night because Tommy, the way so, he's going, might be young. Yeah, he might be lining uh, up. Mate, I, I don't think I'll – it would be a fucking outrage if I won with this little thing, but I'd love to fucking help host it and it's, pick. You, you are. Know? You will be. You will be, yeah. I should say. But it's not <laughs> It's not just the mullet. It's a show you got to put on. Oh, that's Tate right. Had them, Tate, you don't just walk out and flick your mullet and win yeah. it, eh? Like, it takes some effort to win it. This, fucking The up. kid, young William, I think his name is, shared <laughs> it, little Will. Last year that one at man, he put it on a big blonde mullet, and then he did the whole lap of the arena, high five, and everyone around the whole arena yeah. after he won it, mate. But that's yeah, the sort of shit though, like that constant entertainment. Yeah, like bringing the crowd in when something finishes. You, I think those sort of environments and where a lot of places I reckon have gone wrong over the years with rodeos and that, uh, where the fight starters, where there's not something on, like. When something starts, there's like an hour until the band starts. So then the drunk blokes start getting in shit, you know. So if there's always something on, then fucking everyone's happy. Yeah, no, and that's – I'm glad you touched on that. So my biggest thing, you know, I'll get back – I've I've never been a fighter. Yep. Um, played footy for 20-whatever years I played football for. And yep. I think I might have thrown a punch or two in my whole – and literally that's the uh, hand of my heart. Um, I just wasn't a fighter. I just I was a competitor. Um, fierce competitor on the field and all that sort of stuff, but just never saw violence in part of it. I've never um, been a fan of anyone fighting in clubs and this one punch shit and it's getting dangerous nowadays and everything. Yeah. So I've had an unwritten rule my, since the start of my rodeo. You fight at mine, you ban life. Uh, yeah, life yeah. ban. I will, why can I do it? Because it's my place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll life ban you. But it's not that rule that's done it. We have not now, seven years, we have not had a fight, not a punch thrown at my rodeo. And we're talking 5,500 people last year. Yeah, so... For you know, from ten o'clock in the morning right through till two o'clock on the Sunday morning. How fucking should be, eh? Well, mate, it, and it, it, you hit the nail on the head. Having something to do, we've got the massive big screen, the forty-foot big screen there to watch replays constantly. When there's not replays, there's music or there's ads, mm. or whatever it is. Then it goes. The literally the the minute the last bull bucks out and the presentation's done, the band just bangs it. Fucking and I nice. mean proper band. There is the, the dance floor is just chockers. Yeah. That runs for a couple of hours, and then from there, as soon as the band stops, cranking the DJ and uh, DJ yeah. Bucks from you'd like this Johnny Ringo's DJ is coming up yeah. this year. I think from that's Brisbane. mate. That's the fucking. I think that's the thing that takes it. Like, there's obviously heaps of stuff that take the elite radio to the next level, but I think what a cool thing to know that. It doesn't just finish with the live band. She's fucking in the, into the, in the shed, brother. <laughs> the it's yeah. party time. Let's yeah, go. So, so the barn, that uh, leads me into another part of the whole mm. rodeo sort of thing. So first couple of years, we just had an after party on the grass and all that sort of thing. Um, the barn idea I fell in love with, going to Tennessee. As I said, I went to America a lot and a good mate of mine, Martin's in, got a place in Tennessee. Um Going through town, or anywhere in America, but Tennessee's big for it, the tobacco barns. Yeah, Like right. you see, just driving down the roads, old falling down ones, good ones, whatever. But back in the day, it was all tobacco country, and they needed barns to dry the tobacco out. And they're all just old, shitty timber, but 
look unreal, like mm. just the big American barn style sort of thing. And I've always wanted to do one. I'm like, anyway, so it's probably 2018, I think. I, I said to Sandy, I'm going to build a barn this year and get it ready for the rodeo. We're two months away from the rodeo. She's like, off, oh. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> not going to get that ready. Uh, well, don't try a challenge in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Literally finished it seven days before the rodeo yeah. in 2018. That become, we had a friend of ours that wanted to get married in the barn, so we punched that through the week before the rodeo. Um, and then that was the after party for the rodeo. And now that has not only become the big after party barn, it's a wedding venue now. So from yeah. the first wedding now, it kicks, we've, we've run elite barn wedding, so Sandy runs that. How fucking good um, that. On top of, I've said Sandy a few times only now, but Sandy runs my life, sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> runs yeah. us. So, so yep. shout out to my beautiful wife. Um, yeah, I don't know. Everyone says it all the time, and I don't say it enough. I'll use this minute just to, yeah, mm. get brownie points here. But no, mate, Sandy, just elite barn weddings. She runs all my rodeo stuff. Uh, we've got Chris that does the, the cowboy side of the rodeo, but the whole organising, the marketing, the lead up to the rodeos, it's a it's a five, six-month job leading up to oh, it. Oh, for sure, man. But she does it all. And then forgetting that she still runs Kirsch Concrete <laughs> in the office for me too. Yeah. And we're busy as shit with concreting side of things too. So, yeah, mate, women, our wives, your wives, like yeah. we, all, we all know we don't we don't appreciate them enough. So, yeah. Oh, fuck, mate. Our, our wives do all the fucking heavy lifting behind the scenes. For us as well, you know, like it's four all a big four family. Kids. That's what I mean. Right, it's a fucking, um, you know, it's a it's a big family thing with a lot mm. of a lot of the time. So we're it's the ones big. getting the credit up front, but yeah, they do a lot behind the scenes. So it's fucking, it's good stuff. Yeah, speak, speaking of little kids, I bought you a little gift there before. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout yeah, out we got to some, my mum. Yeah, um, yeah. So I bought in some books there for people that don't know. My mum's an artist. She has our whole lives. I suppose that's part of the artistic part of me i suppose and all my family of how i've created and built the rodeo grounds it wasn't just buildings it was always a design and you mm. know, things in my head and i suppose that i have to you know say from my mum that that artistic so but she yeah she's published a heap of books and Al- outback alphabet being probably the most famous one and that so yeah bought a few of them little yeah, ki- kids be, books uh, in for your little fellas mate i'll be reading i'll be reading that at bedtime i reckon there you that'll go, be, it'll be good stuff the new favorite maybe so 100 but mate what so this year like we're like we said before, we're fucking going this year. We're pumped. It's my birthday while we're there, so I'll be fucking. I would have ripped in anyway, but I'm <laughs> fucking keen <laughs> as for it. But you know, two days. Um, you know, what like what are all the events, mate? Over the two days, how do you sort of run it into the fucking last night with the bank? You know. So the cool thing is that I've been a Cowboys fan all my life, called box owner Cowboys, so yeah, football obviously. So. The scary thing for me since I started my rodeo was clashing with cowboys and I never wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, so from the first year, I had to do something pretty dangerous. First two years, I think, was go two weeks after Mount Isa Rodeo. So it's all about the cowboys doing the northern run. See, so I don't know if those that don't know, the cowboy season sort of starts pretty heavy now and starts coming north. And then they start the northern run, which is Charters Towers, and they head west, Huon and Richmond, Cloncurry, yeah, Mount Isa, and then we finish the northern run with the elite rodeo. The first year or the second year, we had to bump it because we had a Saturday night home game for the Cowboys. And one, being a fan, and plus two, a lot of my radio fans are probably right. Cowboy we fans. Can. And my corporate box owners are, you know, fans of the Cowboys and yep. that too. So I moved my radio around. But now we've pretty much become we have to stick to the week after Mount Isa to keep all the Cowboys up from Victoria and everywhere else. Yeah. So it's always a really scary risk. Um Last year was the first time we actually clashed with a home game, but it was the Friday night of our ro- yeah, rodeo, right which 
everyone thinks the Friday night's a lesser night. So anyway, get, segueing onto that, sorry, was because this year is just blessed. We've got a Thursday night home game, Cowboys. So, yeah, happy days. Uh, hey. Cowboys, after last week, man, we are, we are starting to, I hope, we're turning a corner. Yeah. We're, we're looking the goods. I mean, anyone would think last week we were grand final winning. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Holy, we were unreal against Melbourne. But we're going into that against Sharks yep. uh, the Thursday night. So anyone who wants to come, like all you trendsetters out there, seriously, you want to mm. come for a good weekend, Book it That's in. right. Townsville. Started on the Thursday. Good selling point. Thursday, yeah. mate. It's going to be an awesome weekend in Townsville. Like mm. Cowboys versus Sharks. It could possibly be near a top table clash by then, or a top eight clash. You know, yep. hopefully the Cowboys keep their form going. Sharks obviously going to be in there. Um, then the Friday night rodeo, we've got a pretty cool thing. Um, uh, Sun City Sports uh, donating a um, four wheeler, fully decked out, bull oh, nice. bar, all that sort of stuff for the Lucky Door Prize on the Friday night. The Friday night rodeo starts in the evening only, so we have the – I think it's a 5.30 start on the Friday night. Yep. But what we do, we split the open competitors. So the open competitors are half Friday night, half Saturday night. Yep. So you get to see some of the top world, you know, Australian champions and yeah, all that. Right. Some of them are on Friday night, some so of them on Saturday night. So it's worth going to both. Both yep. nights, mate. And then yep. we've got the DJ in the barn on the Friday night as well. So yeah, she's right. a party that night. Oh, then the Saturday, the Saturday starts off. There's a bit of – um, they call it the slack, you know. People, we can't fit in the two main performances. We do a bit of slack on the – um, Saturday morning, but then lunchtime Saturday, the junior rodeo kicks in at one thirty. Yep. That goes till about 4 o'clock. Then we have a bit of music, just, you know, someone local talent we usually have on the stage. And then um, the main event, the grand entry, we have the whole national anthem. Yep. One thing I, I did want to mention too is one thing I've always loved about rodeo and bull riding and all that sort of stuff, Patriot. the tradition in it. Mm. The tradition in rodeo, you know, because rodeos stem from cowboys, doctor and cattle. So... Um, we don't we don't do anything that hurts our cattle. Um, we look after our stock horses, all these stock in the rodeo. So I'm just touching on a bit of animal welfare, I suppose, mm. right now. Yeah, are looked after better than any animal in the paddock that yep. ends up going to slaughter. Probably like these things are nurtured. They usually by the owners and the stock contractors are fed the best food until the day they die and they're buried in their backyard with their family, like literally these the stock in rodeos. That's that's how precious these animals are. Yep. And all the rules that we've got these days. So, you know, you hear these crazy rules that they tie the bull's testicles up to make them buck. Like, they're, they're an animal. Imagine if I grabbed you by the testicles and tied them up. How much bucking could you do? You know, like literally that's what it is. So mm. those that don't know, and the crazy amount of people that don't know, the flank rope that goes around their waist is like a belt around our waist, yep. tied loosely that they know they can kick off and that's just what make them kick. So yeah, as soon yeah. as they know they've kicked that flank rope off, which was designed to fall off after they buck for eight seconds, they stop bucking. That's yeah. why them bulls walk out of the arena. But most of these bulls, are, you can walk out and pat them in the back. I wouldn't recommend it because no, some, no. <laughs> some of them are nasty. Don't do that. <laughs> but they're looked after by the contractors, unbelievably. Um, yep. So, yeah, so that was just touching on the um, on the animals and the welfare and all that sort of stuff. I don't know what segued, segued me into that. No, but <laughs> so you come out on the Saturday, the big, like the big fucking opening of it, everyone comes yep. out, national anthem. and then Yeah, and the, the press. Sorry, what I was getting back to was tradition. So you're yep. back on track there. So every rodeo and bull ride and everything that I know that I've ever been to still does a prayer before the – and I, I'm not a big religious person, but mm. the fact that I, I just think it's special that we still pray for the cowboys and the stock – to get through the night unharmed and come out safely. Watch over you. Know? Yeah. And it's just, it's a cool thing to do. It's a traditional thing. It's been around since day dot and a lot of other sports used to. They don't anymore, but uh, rodeos still do it and that's a pretty cool thing, I think. Mm. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. And then, uh, then after that, is it like the shootout sort of thing, like the finals? Yeah, so what we have, we have the top six. So, we, yeah, we run through the whole Saturday and then the top, we have an interval and then Tate runs a mark with the mother yeah, of the night. Yeah, that's the fun stuff. Get the kids out there to do frisbee chucks and all that sort of shit. Yeah. And then we only have a – we keep it fast moving, the whole thing. Mm. We 20-minute interval, that's it. Quick time to go get a bloody uh, pizza or whatever you want to go. Um and we have food trucks. We're unbelievable food. We have like 12, 15 food trucks out there in a big court and right beside the barn so you can just go get some of the top food. It's unbelievable. Um, and then, yeah, come back for the top six shootouts. So it's just fast and furious, you know, all the Australian champions usually. Um, mm. Quite often the last year's elite champions or the Mount Isa champions from the week before because Mount Isa rode ours right the week before us. Um, and any internationals that might be there um, usually in that. And Yeah, and, just, and then bang, you just go from that High tempo, fucking straight nice. into the band and dance. Straight and into the DJ. band, straight into the barn. Fucking happy days. Happy days. How yeah, good. No, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it, mate. I think it'll, it'll be, be unreal. Um, how to so when this comes out, the tickets will be available to go. Like, how would people go about booking? Uh, where do they go to book? What do they do for accommodation? You reckon stuff like that? You know, accommodation, mate. Is uh, so yeah. Thanks for leading us into that. Townsletickets.com. So it's yep. townsletickets.com is where you go um, online. Yep. And there's also now, um, as of next week, there's going to be hard copies, those that aren't um, tech savvy. Yep. Go into Donahue's, one of our great sponsors. Go in there, get your outfit. They're the great Western store, best Western store in Australia. Yep. Um, and you can buy your tickets, hard copies in there too. We have different sorts of tickets. We have grandstand tickets you can buy, which are different to the outer tickets, just yep. general admission. We also have now people that are listening to this get on quick. We have a party on the hill, which is only about 120 people. That's oh, yeah. um, it's it's beer and wine in that one, no food, but it's one of the best spots on top of the hill in this cool corporate area I've made. We yeah. also have another area, um, which is VIP, which is only about 60 people. These two things, the reason I'm saying it now, you want to get on fast and buy one because yeah, don't fuck around. <laughs> it's um, it's beer, wine, spirits, hot food, everything in the VIP. Nice. All our corporate boxes. No one ring me about a corporate box because there's a lineup. <laughs> they've they're gone year to year. Then yeah, there's a yeah. lineup for them. But but these other corporate areas are cool as. But failing that, mate, everywhere on the hill, anywhere in the grandstands, mm. a great seat and um, the grounds are unbelievable looking. So yeah, either Donahue's or Townsletickets.com, mate. Yeah. Um, and accommodation was anywhere in Townsville, pretty much, but. Um, in the city, we have free buses, so thanks to Townsville City Council, we run days. free buses out, free buses back. That's right? massive, so, eh? That's, so, that's huge. Yeah, so that's that. We're 15 minutes out of uh, from the old Cowboy Stadium, but you know, from the city, it's probably half an hour. Yeah. But we've got buses running from the Ville, from Palmer Street, and from Cannon Park. So from pretty much any corner of Townsville, you can get on a free bus coming out, and they run until two o'clock in the morning, getting you home again. Mm. We don't want people drink driving. We don't, you know, we try, we try to look after everyone like that. So no, that's great, man. So and it normally sells out. So like when you're hearing this, if you're fucking keen to come and party with us and have a good time, don't yep. fuck around. Buy your tickets. Get your mates to buy a ticket. Come have a good time, mate. That's like a crazy it. thing. Like it's, it's. I know a lot of people through. You know, me and Sandy and Footy and all that sort of stuff. The amount of people that fucking ring me two days before or the day of the event, <laughs> hey, bud, I was going to get a ticket. I just forgot, mate. They've sold it. Like, we don't normally sell out. It sells out every year and usually days before the event. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not doing that as a marketing promotional thing. I'm literally saying if you want to come for an awesome weekend, just fucking get buy your a ticket. ticket. Get yep. your ticket so you don't miss out. Mate, eh? Fuck it's the unreal. dog. Buy a ticket. Come yeah. have fun. But no, awesome. I'm um, I'm really looking forward to it, man. It'll be great. And it was cool to fucking hear your story there too, mate, and, you know, what you've built and what it's turned into. And I'm keen to fucking experience it. I reckon it's going to be a good time. There's not many a time that I'd rather do than hook in at a rodeo and that sort of thing. It's my sort of, my sort of thing. So it'll be good to celebrate the birthday there. 
And you, uh, yeah. and you fire me up too, mate, because you're constantly busy. You're, you're involving. Anyone that's listening should be like, far out, get out there and do something. Yeah, no. You're yeah. a perfect example of that. Yeah, having no, a crack. Just a bush kid, number, you know, middle of the family sort of kid that nothing special about me, but just, yeah, just worked hard and, and, and believed in myself and had a had a good woman behind me that believed in me and, and believed in each other, I suppose. Eh? Yeah, for sure, so. mate. Hey, we normally finish off. We just brought back the guest questions. Ooh, Everyone yep. was hitting us up about I the guest questions. Well, wow, that's good. No, that's should've good, prepared. mate. It's all good. But um, we, we only got a few here. Nothing no, crazy. No, what have we so, got? mate, first one off the bat: Have you ever been arrested? Zero, actually. I've only ever been in the courtroom one time, and that was as a as a uh, called in as a witness. So, witness. Yep. Well yeah, done, I don't mean to be a squeaky clean. No, nah, fucking good. Right. Got it's, into some good. shit with me mates, but just yeah, no, I guess stayed away. Just see, he was fast. Thinker. That's the guy. <laughs> 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 I, I was a pig in the middle, mate. I wasn't fast. <laughs> and they have to be the second star. Fast thinker. Like. Fast thinker. No, yeah, fast that's thinker. it. That's it, mate. Um, favorite alcoholic drink, mate. Beer. Yep. Yeah, happy days, straight what, up. What flavour? Beer flavoured. Yeah, yeah, good Can't, stuff. Haven't knocked one back yet. <laughs> yeah. Good on you. Um, you got any phobias? Not really. Oh, not going to skydive. I suppose yeah, that's, yeah. that's not no, a phobia. I'm just not going to jump out of a plane. Yeah, no, that's like, fair enough. <laughs> 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 we, we both skydive, but I'd never bungee jump. Yeah, I'd never, no, I also I bungee jump. I did, did yeah, shit oh, myself, I'd, but it was awesome. But Oh, I'd rather fucking... Um, skydive yeah. again any day. Uh, phobias, yeah. I think uh, the I think the skydiving thing is the fact that you're strapped to a bloke and he pushes you out. I think the bungee jumping thing, you literally have to fucking you jump. you got to jump off. And, <laughs> and, your, guts, push and your guts are in your throat, aren't they? Oh, I don't know. Well, like that be. free fall part. No, you'd fart out your mouth. Oh. <laughs> when you hit the bottom. Um, mate, what's your favourite meal to cook? Have you got anything at home? I do, do, I do. So, yeah, it's another shout-out to Auntie Margaret, the famous Auntie Margaret. Who, so, yeah, going back, not to get in a bloody big yarn about this, but my auntie and uncle, I come from a family of, I guess, entertainers or whatever. My auntie and uncle, um, my dad's brother and sister, run one of the fine dine restaurants in Sydney for 35 years. Yep. Like, closed up probably 15 years ago now, but right in the middle of the city of Sydney. And... Um, yeah, he was an innovator, old Ray. He um, one of the first people that cooked in a lot of indigenous food and cooked crocodile and all that sort of stuff down there. Probably way ahead of his time. Like nowadays, it's all the trend. Back then, it was breaking the ice sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, but Auntie Margaret, who's uh, my dad's other sister, she comes up and she's a cook for the corporate boxes, and um, she's taught me how to cook the and the palmy chicken palmy, mate. My daughter's favourite meal, and yep. yeah, that's my specialty now. Whenever I'm going to entertain. Whether it's in America and got a heap of people over or whatever, I've done. I've done 19. I think is my best. 19 yeah. people. There you go. Just kick back. I feel like old Cambo. She, mind you, Annie Margaret's got the best pumpkin. Bugging. Oh, <laughs> pumpkin. Yeah. pumpkin salad. <laughs> pumpkin salad. It's cold. Is yours hot or cold? Hot. Yeah. See, she does a cold hot. So yep. she does a little little squares of pumpkin. Very good. Um, <laughs> and then got the little got the. Oh, she'll get up me here for getting the wrong ingredients, but she yeah. string string beans like strings beans. I can. And then oh, rocket, yeah, yep. rocket, and all this, and then she makes all her own sauces. See, so balsamic, mm. no, none of this bought balsamic vinegar. She makes her own, boils yeah, it nice. up, yep. and then balsamic over the top of it. One of the best cold pumpkin salads you'll ever eat. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, I'll so, have a chat to her when we get up there. Oh, without yeah, a doubt, pumpkin mate. will be all you right. Might, you off. might be in the kitchen. You can yeah, see yeah, Cambo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cambo in the I'll kitchen. I'll put you to work then. You think you hot stuff? Yeah, Daddy's <laughs> ten will have his own gazebo. Pumping out pumpkin, mate. The last one and the most interesting one for me: Are aliens real? Do you reckon? I don't know about the aliens. I just, oh, I, I, I will, not aliens, I don't think. Yeah. But spirits, I think. Without a doubt, Sandy walks into the rodeo grounds 
at night time and she's not freaked out but she's just she's got a sense there's a there's a spirit at our radio grounds that mm. i think is unbelievable because um every person that walks in there just feels a sense of calm and sense of and they just they and they feel the need to tell you yeah and with that with that being said, I think there's just there's um, something. I don't, I don't. I just love the place. You yeah, know? So yeah, yeah, I just love it. Crack a beer. Um, yeah. But yeah, for the amount of people that come in for wedding meetings and radio and all that, and the amount of people that tell you, like, we just walked in, just felt this sense of calm and how nice is. And Sandy always feels this sense of a presence, but she's not scared. She's by any means. Mm. So whether it was an old property um, of the gate you walk through, still is just the gate that was the original property. Um, it was called Lawson Park. Uh, when we bought the place before we subdivided it and everything. Um, and, yeah, the old story is the old mango trees that are there. Apparently Lawson himself was born under the mango trees there maybe. So I don't know if there was a death there or if, you know, some spirit of some sort. But, yep. yeah, anyway, that's a segue. No, no yeah. aliens, I think, but no, spirits no, but for that's sure. that's very cool. Yeah, so, fucking nice. Uh, but, mate, Lawson, yeah. speaking of Lawson, sorry, i just jump into another one. Yeah. Henry Lawson, the old poem. The old poet, so I've recited a bit of poetry. Like, oh, yeah. don't know, I'm not a poet because yeah, I can't yeah. write it, but I've recited a bit. But give you a real little short one there. An old fella from Mount Isa told me, old Maury, shout out to Maury. Yep. Um, Henry Lawson had an unpublished poem that was just passed down through word of mouth, and it was he was a pisshead and he loved Tui's apparently. So yeah, he right. called it an ode, was it an ode to Tui? Here's Tui, he called it. They sort you out. The Frenchmen like their sparkling wine, their Germans lager beer. The pommies like it half and half, they reckon it's good cheer. The Scotchmen like their whiskey neat, the Irish like it hot. But us Australians, we don't have a national drink, so we drink the fucking lot. How good is that? That's Happy days. Indeed, Short indeed. and sweet too, eh? Hey? Fuck yeah. Yeah, I can rattle off a three-page three, three poem to you, but I won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Boys, yeah, no, that was a, that was a nice short, sharp one, mate. That was good. But, mate, hey, right. honestly, thanks so much for coming today and inviting us to the fucking radio. We are pumped. I can't, can't wait. Looking to, forward to it. I can't wait to come and experience the fucking elite radio, mate. It'll nah. be unreal. Um, like we said before, go on. If, you, if you're keen to come, hit your mates up. Don't fuck around. Buy a ticket and come uh, have a good time with us at the elite radio. Shit, yeah. And you want a joke to finish it? Fucking Let's hit us, brother. Yeah. What do you well, got? I'm- I think it's going to be one that no one's heard. Oh, so, well, fuck you know, me. like I love hearing the jokes because mm, it's. Mm. But some of them were episode ten, and that's some right. Of yeah, you, you heard when you were four, and, and it's the, hard not to little cam jokes. It's hard not that. to pick them too because, like, it's a good joke, but it's hard when you've heard one not to say, "Oh, that's good. I've heard it before." Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh no, it's so, the old, the old Timbuktu. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah my that's son-in-law right. says that one better than you. He said, but oh, fuck hey, hell. You look out now. <laughs> Uh, fighting words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Tommy versus Tommy. Let's put the fucking gloves on. Tim Buck to him. So yeah, this cowboy's first. this cowboy's been out farm out um handling fucking cattle for three months. He's been busting his ring and he hasn't had a shower or beer or a feed, proper feed for three months. He walks into the saloon, packed out saloon there, he's been busting his ring and just wants a feed and a beer and go to sleep. And a shower. He walks up packed out, finds one spare seat. He's about to sit down. There's pretty looking little dolled up ladies in the seat beside him, in the spare seat beside him. And he, as he's about to sit down, he overhears her order to the barman. She goes, oh, waiter, waiter, I'd like a fowl, a wild fowl. Make sure it's wild. Catch it yourself. And waiter, could garnish my plate with onions, please. And waiter, I would like some coffee, not too hot and not too dark. And waiter, I smell cow manure. There must be a cowboy. Can you open a window, please? 
And this cowboy's like, you fucking bitch. You've been sitting in here having hot showers. I've been out busting my ring, kicking. Anyway, he's filthy. So he sits down. He says, waiter, get your ass over here. Waiter, give me a meal. I want a duck, a fuck duck. Make sure it's fuck, fuck it yourself. And waiter, garnish my plate with horse shit. And waiter, I want some coffee, hot and black as a piss of a Texan mule. And waiter, I smell snatch. There must be a whore. Knock down some walls. <laughs> <laughs> that was well said too. <laughs> Like well, well done, said. mate. Fucking hell. Well, um, That's beautiful. Right, and I've got to do a shout-out to John Toomey, mate, in Arizona, who told me that joke. Mm. And the only reason I did that shout-out, I just hit 24. I beat Knuckles. Hey. 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 There you go. What a way to finish, mate. Thank you very much for coming in. And fucking, yeah, everyone, get the fuck to the Elite Radio and stay out of yourself. Stay Thanks, yourself. guys. Awesome. Right, our legends, after we pulled up, we realised we didn't actually give you a date. So 18th and 19th of August is the Elite Radio. Don't fuck around. Go get yourself and your mates tickets for a ripper weekend. Into it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.